What's up, this your boy Lil Duval, and check out my podcast, Conversations with Unc, on the Black Effect Podcast Network. Each and every Tuesday, Conversations with Unc podcast feature casuals and in-depth talk about ebbs and flows of life and the pursuit of happiness. Unlike my work on stage, I tap into a more serious and sensitive side to give life advice and simply offer words of encouragement, yet remind folks to never forget to laugh. Every Tuesday, listen to Conversations with Unc, hosted by Lil Duval on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, or wherever you get your podcasts. Presented by AT&T. Connecting changes everything. When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste. Or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family, look for delicious Kroger brand products. Because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger, fresh for everyone. This episode is brought to you by Navy Federal Credit Union. At Navy Federal, it's been the mission to help the military community for over 90 years. And not just help them, but do everything to make sure they not only grow, but flourish. That's why Navy Federal Credit Union has all kinds of great savings and investment options, like share certificates with sky-high rates. So don't hesitate. Start growing your finances today with a variety of savings and investment options. Navy Federal Credit Union. Our members are the mission. Savings products insured by NCUA. Investment products are not insured. Not obligations of Navy Federal and may lose value. Ugh. Made a BLT. It was delicious at the time. Now I'm feeling, ugh. You know that feeling of like, mm, maybe too much bacon grease in my body right now. Whatever, we're going to get through it. I'm a fatty. Roll it. This is the Wells Cast with Wells Adams, an iHeartRadio podcast. What up? What's everyone doing? Doing great, man. Masters is on. Yes, I like golf. Whatever. I'm an upper middle class white man. What do you expect? Exciting, though. Weird watching sports with no fans. At least there's something to watch. Thank God. Speaking of watching stuff, uh, Bachelorette is just a hot dumpster fire. Am I right? But it's the best. Why do we love seeing things just crumble around us? <laughs> watching The Bachelorette every week, watching Claire, watching what people are saying on Twitter. First of all, Twitter's just the worst. But the best, but the worst. And everyone's mad at her for doing the thing that she was supposed to go do, which was find a boyfriend. <laughs> How dare dare you do the thing that we wanted you to do too fast? You go on that show and you drag us through two months. Every Tuesday night, you take us to Fantasy Suites. You cry because you don't know who you love. How dare you take that away from us? And in comes Tasha, the savior. By the way, yeah, next week, your boy is going to be on. And it's going to be ridiculous. And I'm not going to be making drinks. I'm not schlepping drinks this time. They've got me doing other stuff. My resume is grown, baby. I mean, first it was bitch boy, no kisser. Then it was bitch boy, too much kissy kissy. Then it was bartender. Then it was puppet master. Always been Chris Harrison's bitch. That's true. But now I got something new on the res. So that's gonna be a fun episode. I'm excited to watch that. And I hope you like it too. Speaking of resumes, uh, we don't got one, but we got two folks on the Wells cast this week who have amazing resumes. They're married, so it's going to be cute. It's going to be fun. It's going to be hard to get through both their origin stories, but you know what? We're going to do it. One of our guests taught himself how to 
play the harmonica when he was 13 years old. And by 14, he wrote his first song. By 15, he dropped out of high school to play in a band with his brothers before deciding to become a solo act. His first two nationally released country singles, A Better Man and Killin' Time, were number one and number two, respectively, in the country music charts. His third single, Nobody's Home, was the Billboard number one song of the year for 1990. All three were number one hits. Oh, he also acts. By the way, known for Maverick, Anger Management, Nowhere to Run, okay. And he's been married to this lady since October of 1991, who starred in the short-lived Bewitched spinoff as Tabitha in the late 70s. She was in the CBS remake of Jacqueline Suzanne's Valley of the Dolls as Neely O'Hara. She's recorded four solo albums. She performed on... Bunch of different television shows like uh, Solid Gold and Merv Griffin. You gotta be kidding me. And these two lovebirds were on a little show called Mass Singer. As birds, actually. Yeah. They were the Snow Owls. Unfortunately, they were eliminated in the seventh round. But fortunately, they were eliminated in, in the seventh round because that means they are now on our show. On the Wells cast today. Oh, it's Clint Black and his lovely wife, Lisa Hartman. This is a show, guys. Oh, man, you do not want to miss, bro. Mom met a lot of your demands over the years. This Mother's Day, get her the Bartesian cocktail maker that makes premium cocktails on demand. In just 30 seconds, have your choice of over 60 premium or seasonal cocktails, all at the touch of a button. Get $50 off on the Bartesian cocktail maker now when you buy one pack of cocktail capsules. So, for all the times you made a mess, get mom the countertop cocktail system that makes premium cocktails without making any mess at all. For all the times you begged for soda, get her premium cocktail capsules made with real fruit juice and craft bitters. For all the times you demanded tacos for dinner, get her the Bartesian that mixes margaritas in just 30 seconds. Make mom's Mother's Day and all the 364 days that aren't Mother's Day with a Bartesian cocktail maker at $50 off. Visit B-A-R-T-E-S-I-A-N.com backslash mother now to get $50 off the Bartesian premium cocktail maker. Bartesian, premium cocktails on demand. Hi, I'm Giancarlo Esposito, and I'm here to introduce you to my character, Gray Parrish, from my new series, Parrish. Yeah, I can drive. My character was a getaway driver. Yeah! I'm retired from life. You know that. His business is failing. His house is going up for sale. He is the everyman. Tell me about this driver job. We got a lot of action in this show. We have moments of real danger. And we want to feel as if anything could happen. Gray is invited to drive for this man. He's invited to make money, and he quickly realizes this is not the right thing to do. I did what you told me to. And he's in a world over his head. Now, let's go! He will try to do what's right and seek justice. Parish, all new Sundays at 9 on AMC and stream on AMC+. 
I'm late. I'm late for a very important date. Time is running out to score adult theme park tickets at child prices from Undercover Tourist. This summer, make your Walt Disney World vacation more affordable than ever. Escape into a place where magic has the power to transport you into stunning worlds and your favorite stories for less. Buy from Undercover Tourist, an authorized seller, and link to official Walt Disney World apps so you can add on Genie Plus and Lightning Lane upgrades easy. Book your adult theme park tickets at child prices with Undercover Tourist now and save. UndercoverTourist.com All right, back on the Wells cast. Very excited to have, um, well, I guess the first ever duo on The Mass Singer on the show. We have Clint Black and Lisa Hartman. How are you guys? Good. How are you? I mean, I'm excited. It's Masters weekend, so I get to watch golf. And then I get to talk to you guys who are just uh, amazing in your own right. I'm very, very sorry that you didn't win Mass Singer. How was the experience for you? It was great, you know, um, uh, bittersweet, of course. I didn't mind getting back into my old routine uh, from that, but it would have been fun to go on and sing some of the other songs that we were thinking about doing in uh, later episodes and breaking out of the egg and moving around on the stage. <laughs> Uh, blindly, of course, because you can't see anything in those masks. Our eyes fogged up immediately, you know, because it's so hot in there. Uh, but uh, it was it was fun. It was uh, kooky, you know, and, and we have to laugh at ourselves for being in costumes. But the costumes were magnificent, as you know. Marina Toybina is a master costumer. It was fun. What was the most difficult part of the whole situation? Oh, gosh. Well, I think the song selection, we've talked about that. It was really tricky to find a song that both of us liked, that we could set the key, that we could condense, that would still be dynamic, that, um, you know, just so many elements. The it's publisher really, would approve its use yeah. on the show, that the producers <laughs> and the TV executives, everybody. It was it was tough. We we had a really long list of songs. Yeah, but I think once we got the list locked in, we felt really good, very confident. We loved it, you know. So we we eventually got there, obviously, and then we were off and running. So we thought, and then we arrived, and they put us in this egg, <laughs> and we went, "Holy cow!" And you know, because we had to operate it ourselves, and I say, you know, it had a mind of its own. And it was hard to walk in it. Yeah, you know. So I always said, you know, we're like Fred Flintstone's little feet. You can only take these <laughs> when he's on his toes running. <laughs> It's true. You know, and the tiny little steps, it was hard to move around in. Of course, you have stagehands that are, and a stage manager who's, you know, get over here. We want you over here. And we're going, you know, this is a NASCAR. You we don't understand fast, how you know? hard this Slow is. Slow down. Yeah. It was tricky. But we, we, I mean, we never really mastered it, but you just, you know, you figure it out. And then you get to your mark and your heart's racing and now go. Now you got to perform, right? And then we sing, yeah. and we're singing, and we've got to move the egg during the song. It's like, oh, my God. We, I think at one point we finally said to the choreographers, do we have to move the egg on that line? Can we just, you know, can we just sing? <laughs> they said, no, you have to move the egg. <laughs> yeah. but, um, but it was great. I mean, it was challenging. It was hard. It was wonderful. It was, you know, so many things. And it, never again will you ever do, any of us do that, anything like that. You know what I mean? It's such a special little egg because you know. next time we're going to be uh two people in a horse's costume like <laughs> i'll be <laughs> who gets to play the front and who gets to play the back in that situation i think front. you know the answer to that <laughs> what did you guys think of the clues very difficult oh i if, if, if you know of course i knew it was me right away 
But other people, how you know, how do they guess these clues? I think if you don't brilliant. recognize the voice. Yeah, I think they're brilliant. I I mean, yeah. imagine writing for every one of those characters four seasons in now, and they've got to come up with the most. You know, I mean, they're um, unbelievable. I don't know how they do it. Yeah. We would look at stuff and we go, "What is that?" And oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, that movie tied into, you know, I just I was. You know, in yeah, all they were really tough clues. Yeah, for everybody. You know, they were they were they were, you know, just like uh, fainting this way and that way. Mm-hmm. So, uh, but they were never lying. They were all, you know, actual clues. Yeah, I think but the, they were deceptive. Yeah, the brilliance is that you were. It was so obvious. The Parthenon. You know. Oh no, there's one, and you know, and so there would be a clue that could be this way or that way, or could be for him or her. And you knew it, what it was. And, and that, to me, is part of the brilliance. You know, it would just cross over. Me and my fiance, we watched a show, and we felt like they were trying to hint that you guys were siblings. And I don't know if they were trying to, like, throw people off with, like, the Donnie and Marie idea. So when I found out that it was you guys, I was a little shocked. I was also pretty shocked that Nicole nailed it right on the head. Well, I think his voice, Clint's voice, is so... Uh, you recognize it's so recognizable. You, but you never know who from you know other genres are gonna know someone's voice from you know right. country music or you know wherever else. I'd recognize that banjo player anywhere. You know <laughs> who? Do you, how do you know? I mean, I wouldn't have expected her necessarily to know a, a country singer's voice mask. Even if you know the voices, the mask just makes it it hard. It's like it puts up this block even to your ears. Yeah. No, you're easy to recognize. She clearly has the best ears of, of the four of them. She's amazing. She's unbelievable. Ken is horrible, and Nicole is amazing. <laughs> Jenny's really good, too. We are obsessed with the show. It's so fun to watch. It's it's crazy that this kind of, like, weird Japanese show has become so popular in America, but it is, like, really, really fun to watch. You guys were bummed that your run got cut short. What songs would you have done if you had kept going? In Agata de Vida, I think. Yeah? No. <laughs> of course. We actually hadn't locked them in. We had a list. And had we gone on, then we would have honed in, honed in and, and chosen a song. I was thinking uh, that maybe I would be if we broke out of the egg, we do something where there's lots of dancing involved. Yeah. <laughs> I can't even say that he's with a not straight kidding. face. No, he's not no, kidding. I, I lived with this, and we were in the kitchen well, I dance going, for laughs, but, yeah. uh, well, you yeah. know, that's that's it. How can I make this more difficult? Uh, let's add some choreography to the mix. Exactly. Would you guys do it again? Oh, yeah. Yeah, it, it, it's one of those things, though, you can't imagine you can. them ever, you know, asking you to do it again. Yeah. Uh, if we did it as solo artists, but no, I, I think, think we could. you know, unless it was a new panel of judges and an entirely new audience. Yeah, see, <laughs> Donnie see did it before, and they said it could be Donnie and Marie. He could have come back as a duo. That yeah. would have been allowed, I guess, but I don't know. But I could come back experience. as Willie. Well, I don't know why I'm wearing this costume. <laughs> Hey, Clint, you do know that there is a show called Masked Dancer now, and uh, you wanting to be doing the choreography, maybe you should go do that show. Yeah, if they did the uh, Laughs Dancer. <laughs> I could do laughs. You really don't want to, no, you really don't want to watch me dancing for anything more than a couple of chuckles. I, I may actually be able to dance, but 
I spent so much time on stage playing in bars. Other people were dancing, and I never really did. I may be able to, but I can't do it without trying to make it funny. We love That's it. That's all I have. Well, now that you guys are out, who do you think's going to win the thing? I know who wins. Oh, oh you do? No, he doesn't. I know everything. And see, it sounds like you do know, and then I'm trying to cover up. He does not know. That's the God's honest truth. He's a liar. I now. know who everyone is, what they had for lunch, <laughs> and who's going to win. He doesn't know. I know. But it we all. think Sun has an amazing voice, and Seahorse has an amazing voice. Who do you think's going to win? I think it'll be Sun. You do? Yeah. Who do you think? I think I like the Seahorse costume the best. And oh. I, I, for whatever reason, that's I gravitate towards that. But I liked you guys. Aside from the fact that I thought you guys were fantastic, I liked the idea of doing something different, which was the first duo. I was like, oh, this is a totally different thing. This is fun. So I hope that they continue kind of doing stuff like that with uh, seasons yeah. going forward. I think they should. And, you know, they're going to keep evolving and trying to introduce new things, I'm sure. But I would, I would imagine that with so many fans in our business of the show, it's somebody's watching going, hey, honey, that would be good for us. Yeah. We should do that. You know, they're probably, uh, the show's probably making their list now. And they'll have to come up with an entirely new way of doing it. So, you know, who knows? It may be a two-person horse. Two -person yeah. Horse. <laughs> <laughs> it's just, you know, see where that uh, person in the back holds the microphone. That's going to tell you everything. <laughs> I absolutely love watching you guys on the show. I wish uh, your run had continued, but I'm happy that it was cut short because then I get to talk to you guys. The idea for this show is that I like to find out people's origin stories, how they became successful, what they did, what steps they took, what the blueprint is to becoming, well, Clint Black and Lisa Hartman. So we're going to take a quick break. And when we come back, I want to hear how the hell you two got right here on the Wells cast. Mom met a lot of your demands over the years. This Mother's Day, get her the Bartesian cocktail maker that makes premium cocktails on demand. In just 30 seconds, have your choice of over 60 premium or seasonal cocktails, all at the touch of a button. Get $50 off on the Bartesian cocktail maker now when you buy one pack of cocktail capsules. So, for all the times you made a mess, get Mom the countertop cocktail system that makes premium cocktails without making any mess at all. For all the times you begged for soda, get her premium cocktail capsules made with real fruit juice and craft bitters. For all the times you demanded tacos for dinner, get her the Bartesian that mixes margaritas in just 30 seconds. Make mom's Mother's Day and all the 364 days that aren't Mother's Day with a Bartesian cocktail maker at $50 off. Visit B-A-R-T-E-S-I-A-N.com backslash mother now to get $50 off the Bartesian premium cocktail maker. Bartesian, premium cocktails on demand. Hi, I'm Giancarlo Esposito, and I'm here to introduce you to my character, Gray Parrish, from my new series, Parrish. Yeah, I can drive. My character was a getaway driver. Yeah! I'm retired from life, you know that. His business is failing, his house is going up for sale. He is the everyman. Tell me about this driver job. We got a lot of action in this show. We have moments of real danger, and we want to feel as if anything could happen. Gray is invited to drive for this man. He's invited to make money, and he quickly realizes this is not the right thing to do. I did what you told me to. 
and he's in a world over his head. Now, let's go! He will try to do what's right and seek justice. Parish, all new Sundays at 9 on AMC and stream on AMC+. I'm late. I'm late. Very important date. Time is running out to score adult theme park tickets at child prices from Undercover Tourist. This summer, make your Walt Disney World vacation more affordable than ever. Escape into a place where magic has the power to transport you into stunning worlds and your favorite stories for less. Buy from Undercover Tourist, an authorized seller, and link to official Walt Disney World apps so you can add on Genie Plus and Lightning Lane upgrades easy. Book your adult theme park tickets at child prices with Undercover Tourist now and save. UndercoverTourist.com all right back on the wells cast i have clint black and lisa hartman on the show of course they were uh, just on the mass singer on fox the first duo in mass singer history dressed up as the snow owls sad to see them go but happy that they did get kicked off because now you guys are on my show so now we're gonna do out on the nuts and bolts of this show which is origin stories we'll do uh ladies first Lisa, where the hell did you come from? And how the hell did you get here? My parents were all about stay true to who you are. That's the most important thing. And stay grounded and stay focused and work hard. And, you know, it's all that basic stuff that we all know, but we tend to forget because there's a this or a shortcut or a thing or do. And those things can be applicable at times, you know. But um, but I think keeping it real and and, you know, don't be swayed by the provocative, seductive things out there, which could be a lot of things, you know? So that's mine. I'm done. <laughs> You're not getting off that easy, by the way. Um, I can tell you for, for Lisa that, you know, she, she wouldn't talk about is um, that she was a professional in everything she did. She worked very hard at it, at the singing. You know, she hasn't made records except with me for years uh, since she was making them you know, their career started out in music, right? Making albums with the best songwriters and producers in uh, Los Angeles. And she was just a pro. She knew her part of the job. Uh, she still she still knows. She can hear all the notes when anything's out, anything pitchy. So she's got the talent, but she applied herself to it. And then uh, as her television career took off, she was always a pro. You know, she showed up knowing her lines and uh and hitting her mark and and getting her part of it done and uh and you know every career d demands that if you want to be successful you have to do those things and she did it from a very young age you know being a performer and uh dreaming of doing all this stuff so for her you know the word is always professionalism you know show up do your job and then it's the way you treat people too you know if you if you come on a, a set, you know, or into a session and uh, everyone is beneath you, then uh, you will end up beneath them at some point. You know, everyone you step on on the way up, you know, you will be waving to on your way down uh, because no one likes to support people they don't uh, feel proud of supporting. So um, the way she treats people, uh, I think, is a big big part of it you know it's uh, we always say in, in my band it's one part player and one part person so you can have the greatest player in the world in the band and if they're a jerk they're out of the band you know we're not going to have anybody mistreating each other so that's how we 
basically assess people. So if you join the band, you know, you, you, you got to be really good at what you do, but you also have to be good to everyone around you. Yeah, Clint's always said, we, if, you, if you're not, we'll give you a hot dog and a road map. <laughs> you know, oil spot. You. you come out, there's an oil spot where the bus was, and we left. Lisa, I want to go back to when you were a kid. I was reading up on you that, like, uh, is this, I don't even know if this is true. Did you do a commercial with John Wayne? I did when I was really, oh, golly, yes, I did. It was for uh, the American Cancer something. I, society. Society, yeah, I think it was something something like that. They changed, tweaked it a little bit. But, yeah, it was a, it was a, a still photo, and it was him looking down at me. Golly, I haven't talked about it. I forgot about it, honestly. Thank you for photo. bringing it up. I know it's here. It's upstairs. But, yeah, th I did that. But that, you know, and I just always had the bug. I knew as a kid what I wanted to do and just went after it. Um, you know, I, I, I had a band when I was 18. We played all the Holiday Inns and, you know, and I started out as the girl singer with the tambourine and I sang a little bit and then it became, you know, because I always wanted, I, as a kid, I was always doing it. So it wasn't like I just decided to become a singer, but I started out as a girl sort of singer with the tambourine and then ended up having my own band and I was writing the checks and, you know, took on more responsibility that side as well. And then, uh, I was lucky enough to meet Jeff Barry, who's, you know, huge. And uh, Olivia Newton-John was on the charts at the time with I Honestly Love You, which Jeff had written with Peter Allen. And he signed me and produced me, and we were on Donnie Kirshner's uh, label, Kirshner Records. It was me in Kansas. <laughs> Kansas had the hit, and I didn't. Carry on. Time went on, and I, ha I released a few albums, and it just almost got there. Didn't, didn't quite get there. Um, and then the acting, I went out and auditioned and got a few parts, and then I was Tabitha. And I went to ABC to meet with Fred Silverman, who was the president of the network at the time, and it was me and Pam Dauber, and, who was Mark and Mindy. And so we were sitting, I remember it so well, and it was this huge, it was ABC, you know, network. I mean, the point really is, is that my acting took off, and I was glad because I loved it as well. I'd done both growing up, but I really wanted to be a record. I wanted to be Olivia. I wanted to be Linda Ronstead. That's who I wanted to be. But I also loved this, and I was lucky, and I also had to pay the bills. So, you know, it, it, you know, and I did Tabitha and we did 13 of those and then it wasn't picked up and then I was basically without a job. So again, it just, just sticking with it and, and it was hard at times, you know, um, but I loved it and I believed that I would make a good living. I, it was never to me about being a star, about making a lot of money. It was never about that. It was just working in the industry. And I did, and and I'm to to this day I'm grateful. Well, it's a pretty nice fallback plan uh, if you can't be the next Linda Ronstadt to be uh, a successful actress. I was reading up that like you portrayed a character that was so popular that when they killed her off, the network had to bring you back in some respect. Yeah, so this is funny. I was I had my album was coming out. Knott's Landing was a big show, not as big as Dallas. It was a spinoff, and they wanted to add a character. And the character was C.G. Dunn, and she was a singer. And my manager called me, and basically it was, the short thing was, singer, they're going to kill her. You'll do like seven episodes, and then you can go off. It'll be great for the album. Then you can go off on the road, and it's all, it'll all work, right? <laughs> <laughs> so, so I went, and I met with them and uh, got the part. And 
did this show and sang many songs off of my album. Then I was murdered, I was killed, I was on the beach, I washed up and uh, we shot this scene. I was freezing and they like, you know, used whatever when I was still, you know, I was laying there dead. Anyway, that was the end of CG. And then my manager called and said, you know, they've had such a response, the fans and so on and so forth, and they want you to come back on the show. And I thought he was playing a joke on me. And I went, yeah, "Yeah, right, yeah. And he said, no, seriously. And so we need to sit down and figure out how we can bring you back. So it was CG. So they came up with a character, Kathy Geary. C. Kathy Geary. But how are they, you know, they had the name. Okay, so where do we go from there? So then they decided that I was obviously going to be a lookalike and uh, be discovered by Ted Shackelford. Anyway, it's a long story, but they brought me back. And I was there for, what, three, three and a half seasons, something like that. All total. And singing again. She was such a lookalike. She was a singalike too. So, <laughs> so I got to, but it was so much fun because, like you said, I got to do the show and I was back with my TV family, you know, and I was the new kid on the block and I was the youngest there. And I had all these seasoned actors around me from William Devane to, you know, all of these people. And it was just such a great experience. And, um, you know, you up your game. You're playing tennis with, you know, and so. Then it was time to move on, and I did, and 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 just kept doing movies for television, and uh, the music sort of kind of fell away. And, um, and then when yeah. we met, I hadn't seen her in any of these movies or TV shows, and uh, and you know back then it wasn't as easy to go find and 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 watch things no, as it is all. today. And we were traveling through France, and something came trip. on. You know, there was like one English speaking channel and then a bunch of others. And I ended up on clicking through and on a German channel. Uh, and there she was. And, uh, and she was crying and talking in German, you know, uh, and I thought I had no idea you spoke more than one language. And uh, and so that was the first time I'd I'd seen her in her TV show. And uh, anyway, we uh, we we were married for years before uh, I was doing an album, and I said you have to sing this song with me, and she resisted right up until the last minute, and then finally relented, and we had a, a hit song together. Mm-hmm. She was back on the charts. I was finally. <laughs> Higher, <laughs> much higher on the charts, that's for sure. And I was so glad I did it. And then we did it live, and there were like 20,000 people out there, and I was, <laughs> it was like, oh, my God. And then I walked out, and it, the, the response was so amazing that it had a calming effect on me, and I was in. I was like, I'm hooked. <laughs> and they let her know. They've been asking for her to sing with me, and, and I would tell her, you know, the fans ask about you everywhere I go. Oh, you're so sweet. And I said, no, they really do. So they let her know in person, in concert, and she finally believed me and felt the welcome. Yeah, it was lovely. I guess the question is, do you know when I say I do in German or only in English? Four languages, I've got it down. (laughs) (laughs) You guys met on New Year's Eve? Mm -hmm. Yeah. He'd been out touring. He was doing... It was my first big show back home, playing New Year's Eve at the Summit, where the Rockets played. And we had mutual friends who were kind of, when introducing her to my music, unbeknownst to us. And and, uh, she and her mom were in Houston for the holidays and uh, decided to come to the show. And we met briefly backstage and 
10 months and 20 days later, we were married almost 30 years ago. What made me go to that concert? I'm seriously, I mean. You were a stalker. Really? I guess. That's what no, it was. I mean, seriously, I think about it. I mean, it's just, it's amazing. Yeah, it's, what was happening, you know, with our mutual friends that they were two different people we both knew were were thinking we were right for each other. And they didn't know, they weren't helping each other. It was it was completely independent. Mm -hmm. uh, Fred Rappaport, who was head of specials at CBS, that's how I knew him. And, and uh, he was married to Michelle Lee, her mm -hmm. co-star. We shared the same... No, no, I was touring with KT Oslin, and her manager was part of a management company where uh, his partner managed Lisa. They were just sort of They were pushing it, us but, together. But that wasn't the intent, though. I didn't come to the show to, you know, it just was... Uh... I'm sure you didn't. <laughs> Did you guys kiss at midnight? Was that the first kiss uh, on New Year's? No, there were a hundred people backstage. I was meeting contest winners, etc., and and we just met briefly. And then Fred, uh, we were taping some CMA special, and he came up backstage and said, "I have Lisa Hartman's phone number, and I'll give it to you, but you have to promise to call her." That's funny. I said, "Well, I don't know." <laughs> but he did. But I did, and <laughs> went out on a date, and we fell in love over that was it, yeah. the next few months, and. Yeah. That's incredibly cute and super romantic. I want to go back, Clint, to your beginning. You're a Texas guy, but you weren't born there, right? No, but my dad's from there. My mom's from Alabama, and they would just, my mom would go up to be with her mom, who was in New Jersey because of her husband, and she would go up there during her last trimester of three of her four pregnancies, right? I was the last. Three of us were born in New Jersey, and then she would go back to Houston. And so I grew up in Houston, but I kept the Jersey accent. Nobody can understand that, you know, how that happens. <laughs> and when I go back to New Jersey, I'm a homeboy. You know, they claim me there. You know, it's Mr. B. Hey, welcome home. You know, I was reading up on you that you started playing music when you were like 12 or 13. Like you learned the harmonica and then you learned yeah. guitar and then you wrote a song. And then by like 15, you had decided to drop out of school? No, not quite. I had, I had I kept failing going to summer school to get into the next grade and so on. And I was, uh, I had failed a year, repeated a year in high school and went through summer school to get through another grade. Terrible student. And, uh, and then finally, it was clear I wasn't going to make it out of the 11th grade without some more summer school. And uh, I was 18, and I thought, I'm going to work. And I got a construction job and dropped out of, uh, or just, you know, didn't go back to school after the end of the year. And uh, that's, we call that dropping out, I guess. <laughs> and so, uh, so I went to work in construction and playing some bars here and there and uh, regretted dropping out within a year. What do your parents say at that point? I think they really kind of understood what kind of a student I had become. <laughs> 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 Maybe they thought, yeah, go down out there and find out how hard life's going to be, you know. It was clear to me uh, within a year's time, and I tried as a student, but when I got to a point where I was failing at it so much, I had not developed the skills, the study skills, um, and and at that point, it it had become too difficult, and I was not going to catch up on my own 
and uh, and I really couldn't see my way out of it. I'm a much better student now. I, a year later, it, it was all nonfiction books from there on out and uh, trying to fill in all the gaps. Literally go on to a site about English language and punctuation and just sit there and read that because <laughs> I'm not going to... I'm not going to be ignorant. I may be stupid, but I'm not going to be ignorant, you know. I've worked at uh, self-improvement to make up for it. Obviously, we're for you. You're incredibly successful. Did you know that this was the path that you wanted to go down like, Lisa? Like, I know that you you started playing some bars, and then did you, you joined a band with your brothers, right? Yeah, that was earlier on, and then the band broke up, and I started playing solo in the bars. I did that for about 10 years before I found a manager. I had a couple of different managers who really didn't do anything. And then I finally found a manager who was a successful rock manager. And then I put a band together to showcase for RCA. So I had spent about 10 years playing solo in the bars before that. What was the goal during that time, that 10 year span of of playing honky tonks and stuff before you had a manager? What was the goal for you career-wise? When I was still a teen, I, I... I hadn't decided it was music. It was either going to be music or I was going to go into the Air Force and try to work my way into the astronaut program. Go ahead and insert canned laughter now. <laughs> I had singer's grades. They wouldn't have let me near the uh, the dumpsters. And uh, and so I, I chose the right path, and I started uh, playing in the bars, like you said. And then when I realized that the, the construction job, you know, I really wasn't going to be able to make it as a musician working that hard during the day. I was an iron worker. And so I quit that and started working the bars full time and reading books on the music business, trying to understand what I needed to do. And it became really clear at that point that I needed a manager. And I went through a couple of different managers. I never questioned my goals, but I questioned my methods constantly. And I found a book called Time Management, Work Smarter, Not Harder. And this is the book that was the key. It was the key to my initial success. There was an exercise of creating different sheets for your short-term and long-term goals. And under each heading, you would list all of the activities you could dream of to, to reach that goal. And so every day I was checking off an activity the main objective was get a manager. That was a, a short-term goal to reach the long-term goals. So to do that, I had to have some demos. So I found it was really difficult on my salary, <laughs> which was, you know, $4,000 a year probably, to afford a demo or even afford to take the time out to go make the demo. But I was determined to get some demos made. I was writing songs. And at one point, I had this one offer to do a gig at a country club a solo gig and it was really good pay it was a hundred dollars a night to play like four nights a week so i was gonna be bumped up to four hundred dollars a week if i could land this gig but the guy wouldn't give me that gig unless i played a banquet for him with a full band and i didn't have a full band you know my brother and my buddies you know they were out of it and so i found a band that was playing in town that knew a lot of the songs i knew and hired them for this one gig. And on the rehearsal we had, uh, their, their guitar player had already left. And that guy leading that band had called a guy to fill in for him, for this other guitar player for her. That was Hayden Nicholas. And he was really impressive. And he and I talked about what we were doing. He had just returned to Houston because his dad was ill. I told him I was trying to get some demos made and I couldn't really afford it. And when he said, well, I have a 
a track recorder, I'll make you a deal. And so we made a deal of $150 a song. But if I got a record deal as a result of those demos, then I would pay him retroactively another $150, so $300 a demo, which was a pretty good rate now looking back. And the first song we finished was Nobody's Home. I took it to this guy who was my manager who I dropped. He and I remained friendly, and I told him I really needed a manager. Somebody was offering me exactly what I needed for the publishing on that song, exactly what I needed to pay my late car payment. So it was really, I can't, I can't let go of this song, and uh, I need a manager. So he introduced me to a rock band's manager whose name I won't say. We ended up in conflict and uh, suing each other for a couple of years. And, uh, but he did get me uh, up to Nashville, got the record deal going, and, and launched my career. That song, Nobody's Home, ended up being one of the uh, number one singles on that first album. When did you realize that you had made it? When I met that manager, I knew I got my break, and I believed in my songs and myself, and I knew that I was about to have the opportunity. And when I signed with RCA Records, I knew, I just knew, you don't really know, but you think you know uh, that it's going to happen. And I didn't know what uh, it's meant at the time, but for me, I didn't have any rose-colored glasses. I really felt like um, this is going to be my break, and, you know, whatever it is, I had basically resigned myself to a life of music and whatever that meant. And so I knew that that was, and then, you know, we start recording the album, I'm still playing bars for two years to come after all the, those breaks happen. Still two years of, you know, $50 a night mostly, just subsisting. And uh, so then one morning, UPS delivers a box. Early, early in the morning, I wake up, I take the box, it, and, and, and I open it up, and it's the, it's the album. It's killing time and some cassettes. It was the product, and it was real at that point. It all, it all really hit me. All that work and all that I had done uh, had paid off. And I was holding the proof of that. And I sobbed. I had gone through many a night of questioning how I'm going about this and why I want it so badly uh, that all my friends are going on and succeeding and taking vacations and buying homes and, and, and I'm barely getting by. And that album was the proof that uh, that I'd made the right choice, and it really all came crashing down on me at that point, and uh, and it became real. It was tangible. So that album had "Killing Time" on it. Obviously, that was the title track, and "A Better Man," both of which were number one and number two singles, right on Billboard. Yeah. How long from you getting that UPS package with some cassette tapes and eight tracks to that charting that high on the Billboard charts? Probably uh, eight months. Wow. What? Yeah. So the first single came out in about late January or February of 1989, and that uh, "Better Man." The first single peaked on one of the two charts. There was uh, Radio and Records and Billboard, and I think it was June 17th for Radio and Records. So that was the first, you know, peak position, number one. By the end of the year, both singles had been number one, and, and my life had changed. It's hard to get one song from an album to get to number one, let alone two of them from the same album. So congratulations. When you look back, is there anything that you would have changed or done differently? Of course. Lots of things. I would have gotten a second opinion from a lawyer on the initial contracts that were offered to me by that first manager. I would have had a, a more of a one-on-one -on -one relationship with my record company that he kept me partitioned off from. 
you don't live by those. You learn by them. You just keep trying to not repeat mistakes. When we started talking about your guys' success and, and how it started, you, Clint, you were talking about Lisa's thing, which is showing up to work, being prepared, being a good you know, employee, but also being a pleasure to work with, which is something that we've talked about a lot. And that is a common denominator for a lot of successful people. What's your kind of like one uh, piece of advice for people to be successful? That's really tough. You know, what I said of, uh, of Lisa really says it all in, in long form. You've got to be professional and you have to treat everyone how you would want to be treated. You know, tried to lecture this into our daughter. Our daughter, I think, with uh, great success, success doesn't make you better than anyone. Success is the result of your hard work. You really have to work hard at how you look at yourself. If you see yourself as being better than anyone, then you've got a problem, not just in your career, but in your heart. You may be able to point to all sorts of things that you might have done better or worked harder at things like that. But, you know, when you start looking at yourself as being better than anyone, and, and and we had somebody on the road with us who who had that attitude, and there were people who were beneath him, and uh, it was very unattractive. You know, it just didn't work for, for any of us. I think that's the best lesson. No matter what you do in life, you, you can't place yourself above anyone. Maybe your efforts can be better than someone else's, but, you know, that's as far as you better go with it. I love that. I want to be respectful of your guys' time, so uh, I'm going to let you go. But first, can we do a quick rapid-fire questions? Yeah, we uh, we want to just talk about I don't think we talked about our new duet, our new single, and we're going to be streaming a live show from the Ryman. So, Ooh. Um, I know. We're excited. After, after we did The Masked Singer, we thought about recording one of those songs and uh, for about five minutes. <laughs> and I thought, well, we're going to put a lot of work into that. I'd rather just write something new. And then, of course, I banged my head against the wall for three days, getting nowhere. And then I thought of the opening line, and uh, and that set that set it off. And the opening line is, I can tell you how the story never ends. And that's our story. And so the song just poured out. We got it recorded. It'll be available December 3rd, we're going to perform it live at the Ryman on December 2nd. And at clintblack.com, you can buy a $9.99 ticket to watch it from your own home. There'll be some in-person audience, but it's very limited and tickets are going fast. But uh, we'll be live from the Ryman December 2nd. We'll do our uh, hit, When I Said I Do, in the new duet. Mm -hmm. Our daughter, Lily, uh, who's a second-year music student at Belmont, she's... Uh, uh, going to perform with us. Got a couple of very special songs she's going to do. So it's going to be a family affair. It's going to be the first concert since the lockdowns. It'll be the first time of live streaming a concert for me, and it'll launch uh, a new duet, which uh, our fans have been calling for for <laughs> for some time. I put out a new album recently, uh, Out of Sane. You know, got a lot of nice comments from from the fans, but. Uh, uh, they were missing the duet, and I think if we hadn't done the masked singer, we probably wouldn't have been compelled to do another duet. We really enjoyed singing together. Is there a better place in the world to play than the Mother Church? Well, I'd say there are worse places to play. <laughs> I mean, a, a theater where you're close up to the audience is always wonderful, and there's so many great theaters. Uh, I spent. 
years in the uh, early part of this century. That's funny to say. Mm -hmm. Just playing the small, wonderful theaters, some of them 100 years old. And I love that because of the proximity to the audience. I, f I feel so close to the audience. And the Ryman gives you that. And it's also got a kind of an auditorium feel. You know, it, it feels like it can get big and loud. It is a hallowed stage, and it's got a history there. The friendly ghosts feel present. So you bring all that with it, and uh, you've got a pretty special place to play. Everyone that doesn't know what we're talking about, there's this theater in downtown Nashville called the Ryman Auditorium, and it's been around forever. It's my favorite place to see live music. You haven't lived until you've heard the sound of people slapping the back of the church pews waiting for an encore. It's one of the most haunting and beautiful noises for whatever reason, and then the band comes back on, and it's such a cool experience. So that's really, really cool. The Grand Ole Opry moved there probably, I don't know, 75 years ago. Uh, so the Grand Ole Opry was... Uh, was live from uh, the Ryman Auditorium for, for years, 60 or 70 years before it moved out to Opryland, and it still comes back in the winter months uh, to the Ryman. So you've got everything that you described, and you've got the history, pictures up all over the walls that you can see and, and remind you of, of how many performers, legends, have come through there to play and how many audiences, you know. The audience is really the character of the Grand Ole Opry, and the Ryman, one of the warmest crowds you'll ever play for, is the uh, Grand Old Opry audience. Anyway, we're we're going to be there, and and it's going to be exciting to be doing a first show back after uh, lockdown at the Ryman. You know, you can find your way clintblack.com, nine ninety nine. Get to watch the show live from your home, and you get a free set of Gensu knives <laughs> and uh, pocket fisherman. Don't look for those in the mail. Who's going to hold you to those? Probably not coming. <laughs> I can see it on Twitter now. You were my knives. Before I let you go, you guys ready for some rapid fire questions? Okay. No. <laughs> no? That question came too quickly. Go. Yeah, I'm ready. <laughs> All right. Uh, rapid fire questions with Clint and Lisa. Favorite pizza topping? Pepperoni. Oh, basil. Basil? Yeah, margarita pizza. See? That's a terrible answer. I know. Favorite. City, country. You know. You're not hungry enough. <laughs> Favorite book? Emily and Einstein. Oh, God. Uh, April 1865, the year that <laughs> saved America. What was the first concert you ever went to? Elton John. Merle Haggard. What was the first car you ever owned? Toyota with no shocks. <laughs> 60, 64 Plymouth Fury 3. <laughs> <laughs> I was older. It was a heap. Who was your first kiss? Lisa. Wow. That is a lie uh, if I've ever heard one. What's the weirdest superstition that you have? I only have one. It's kind of like I, if I think something's going to happen, I don't want to say it because I think it'll jinx it. That's kind of common. I don't really have any. You I know, I do. I knock on wood. Yeah, I know? do too. I'm, but a, I'm a bit weird. of a druid. That's not weird. We don't have weird ones. Who was your childhood hero? God, Jimmy Stewart, John Wayne. Probably my dad. How would you describe yourself in high school? Stupid. <laughs> Idiot. Kind of nerdy. Nerdy but fashionable. Fashionable nerd. Well, yeah, I wore these. We were just supposed to answer, but I wore these. Real, I wore like a fringe vest long, and they sent me home from, you know, and I wore a shirt that was made out of the American flag, and it was cotton, and they sent me home. And I was like, you know, cool, but I really wasn't. <laughs> <laughs> Who's your celebrity crush? Oh, my God. Lisa. Today, you mean, or back then? Whatever. 
We'd have to go back pre us. Okay, I had a big crush on Al Pacino and Jack Wilde. Do you remember Jack Wilde, the Artful Dodger? Yeah, those are mine. Go ahead, you can tell. That's uh, Suzanne Plachette. Really? Yeah, oh I've my told God. you that. We ran into her in a button store once. <laughs> a button store. Let's oh, run into someone in a button store. Yeah, though. that's what I was thinking. <laughs> Last one. Do you believe in soulmates? Oh, yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Till the end of time. Yeah. Clint and Lisa, thank you guys so much for being on the Wells cast. It's been an absolute pleasure and a joy. Your guys' story is crazy, bonkers, inspiring, and actually extremely romantic. So thank you again. And uh, before I let you leave, one more time, where can people get tickets? For this show, they'll be streaming by the music, all that stuff. We'll start streaming it. Uh, it'll be live December 2nd, and you can go to clintblack.com now to uh, get your ticket to watch from home. And then the uh, new single, Till the End of Time, uh, available for streaming December 3rd. Very nice. Thank you, Wells. We appreciate it. It was fun. All <laughs> right. Can't wait to see Clint on uh, The Mass Dancer coming this summer on ABC. <laughs> All right, see you guys. Thanks, Wells. Bye-bye. See ya. Well, aren't they just the freaking cutest thing you've ever heard in your entire life? Glenn Black's funny, by the way. I mean, we all know he's an extremely talented, amazing singer and musician, and obviously Lisa's been around forever, just killing it. But they're funny and cute, and like it's like one of those things when you meet those people, you're like, God, I really hope that, that Sarah and I are like that. Hope you guys enjoyed it. This was fun. If you do like the show... Go give us a five-star rating on the Apple or Play stores. That always helps. Leave uh, leave a review if you like uh, it, or if you don't like either way. And, yeah, tweet me or uh, Instagram me at Wells Adams. If you like the show, if you don't, and uh, some people that you'd like to see on the show or hear on the show, right? Okay. I'm going to go edit this and then go back to watching the Masters because I'm a dorky dude. Later. Subscribe to Wells Cast on iHeartRadio, Apple Podcasts, or anywhere you get your podcasts. It's the internet. This is Malcolm Gladwell from Revisionist History. eBay Motors is here for the ride. With some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Brake kits, LED headlights, whatever you need, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. I'm late. I'm late. For a very important date. Time is running out to score adult theme park tickets at child prices from Undercover Tourist. This summer, make your Walt Disney World vacation more affordable than ever. Escape into a place where magic has the power to transport you into stunning worlds and your favorite stories for less. Buy from Undercover Tourist, an authorized seller, and link to official Walt Disney World apps so you can add on Genie Plus and Lightning Lane upgrades easy. Book your adult theme park tickets at child prices with Undercover Tourist now and save. UndercoverTourist.com this episode brought to you by 20th Century Studios' Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes. Director Wes Ball breathes new life into the epic franchise. As a ruthless king attempts to build his empire at the expense of the remaining human race, a young ape begins a journey to fight for a future for apes and humans alike. Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes. Enter the kingdom in IMAX on May 10th and theaters everywhere. Get tickets now.